NTU World of Wisdom. Welcome to High Impact Thesis. In this podcast, we speak with researchers from various scientific fields to talk about the motivation, goal, and potential impact of their research. We also want to give you a sense of how a PhD is carried out with an emphasis on the PH, the philosophical aspects involved in pursuing a PhD. Uh, welcome, everybody. Uh, today, we have a conversation with Rishabh Gupta, PhD student in Tripoli uh, NTU. Welcome, Rishabh. Thanks, Ahmed, uh, for having me. Thank you all. All right. So, as we, you know, talked in the email, we divide the episode into four sections, right? So, first, we talk about your uh, area and, uh, you know, wh- why did you get into it and wh- what is it about? And then we move on to your day-to-day activities and, like, your uh, thinking process, your, you know, problem-solving activities and all. And then we talk about... The future of the area you're working on, like where is it going, what are the major challenges, uh, and are there like any recent breakthroughs? Uh, and then finally, we touch on your personal life, personal interests, and all that. So to get this started, uh, can you tell us about your work, your research? Okay, so first of all, uh, yeah, as you said, I'm a PhD student in Tripoli. I'm a fourth year student. So my research interests are mainly aligned towards spatial audio and uh, uh, psychoacoustics. Those are two keywords, so let me explain what they mean. Mm -hmm. So spatial audio basically means uh, rendering sound as we hear in natural surroundings, along with the spatial properties that these sound uh, sources might have. So you might have heard of the Apple AirPods, right? Mm -hmm. The newest AirPods Pro has a feature which has been maybe two months ago it was launched where you have a spatial audio feature right Mm -hmm. so of course this has been a subject area of research since the last 20 years now we are seeing commercial applications such as the the popular ones such as airports pro Mm -hmm. there have been others in the past where several startups have tried to develop a certain set of headphone constructions which could support spatial audio and stuff like that but we can get to that but Mm -hmm. that's that's basically a nutshell uh, so spatial sound is one area of focus. Another is psychoacoustics. So psychoacoustics essentially means study of how humans perceive sound, right? Mm, so okay. two words, psychoacoustics. So it's not how so- psychos perceive sound. It's <laughs> psychology of the acoustics. Right, right, right. So yeah, that's that's the second area of focus. So my uh, research interest is basically trying to study how humans perceive sound and then design algorithms which can model that perception. Uh-huh, I see. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you mentioned uh, one application, which is like uh, the Air- Air- AirPods, right, that Apple produced. But uh, are there any other application that your research touches on? Like Absolutely. Uh, so, I mean, AirPods is just the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. So my research work is actually applied, uh, primarily developed for augmented reality. Uh, so first of all, again, let me clarify what, what that means for the people who are not aware. So augmented reality, virtual reality, all different kinds of alternate realities that have become is basically a medium in which you feel as if you are immersed in an alternate digital uh, sort of surrounding. Mm. Right? Then you then you go to uh, what's what's the difference, right? What's why why call it by different names, right? So augmented reality and virtual reality are the two more popular ones that we have right now. We have extended reality and stuff, but 
and mixed reality these these are just even the definitions are not standardized here mm. but uh, for this discussion maybe we can just touch upon these two basic ones so virtual reality virtual reality means you are only perceiving the virtual world so you only have the digital virtual reality mm-hmm. which you are seeing so you are cut off from the real so this is more popular you might have seen like people playing games on it or watching movies and stuff right the oculus rift yeah yeah so oculus rift stc vive mm-hmm. uh, all all the vr gears that you have in the market right now mostly concentrating on virtual reality uh now the augmented reality part is a bit more uh, how to say not not so much developed and there are reports like several companies are working on it in secret but the thing is like it's basically a rendition of the digital world overlapped with the uh, real world right mm-hmm. so i think a uh, good visualization was shown in iron man where he he was able to see the real display and the virtual display right mm-hmm. now with the display it's very clear like you you can have a sort of overlay you can interact with the objects right if you take the same concept in the uh, audio sense you can again have a overlay of real and virtual objects and you could have interactions right mm. that's where the mixed and extended reality come into play so for example if i were to bounce a ball on this table a virtual reality would only see the ball right mm-hmm. an augmented reality scenario would see the ball and the table and i would hear uh, maybe a sound from this room if you were to speak and the ball and now extended reality or mixed reality could have you uh, catch the like he interact with the sound of the ball maybe throw another ball mm-hmm. which interacts with the sound right maybe catch the ball which i could hear so this is just transcending the realm of digital reality and trying to make it as real in real life right. as possible i mean this kind of reminds me of the the these features we have on some headphones and earphones the the pass through feature right where it passes the audio from the surrounding into the headphones and back to you but it's is not exactly it's reconstructed somehow right yeah yeah it's funny you mentioned that that's that's my thesis focus so as uh-huh. to speak okay so that's that's the you know it's a big problem augmented reality uh, audio is a problem so i'm i'm focusing on the pass through function mm. so definitely we can talk about it more but essentially you are right they are trying to reconstruct the real environment by capturing the information through the set of microphones which are usually present like the headphone right here for those of you who can't see it's just a normal headphone but it has microphones outside so it's just capturing all the surrounding information mm-hmm. replaying it back for you but of course then we come into the nuance part then some of the spatial characteristics or some of the spectral changes might be lost okay so you mentioned you focus on two two main things right uh, spatial audio and psycho psychoacoustic yes. so yeah. what's uh, like if if you want to explain psychoacoustic I mean not what it is but like how do you do it like how do you do the analysis okay so there's uh, uh, of course there's empirical data that we collect on uh, human subjects so let's say we play different kind of soundtracks on a set of people and then uh, do a randomized trial sort of thing so i will give you a set of soundtracks to evaluate you will evaluate the how you feel like how similar is it to a reference or stuff like that so we mm-hmm. have different paradigms different testing paradigms which mm-hmm. have been developed and then we we uh, based on the mean scores we try to see what uh, let's say what algorithm if i'm working on an algorithm or what technique works best 
or sometimes it's even the audio quality test where basically you are testing a fidelity of a device. Uh, mm-hmm. So there are paradigms and there are there are ISO standards and uh, ANSI standards of, for all these things. So we follow those guidelines, ITU standards, and uh, we follow those guidelines, set up our experiment and try to gather data. Another is also the objective models. So we have some sort of uh, objective models which can give a sort of a, like uh, approximate scores of how people might perceive. So we know what cues are important. And then we can derive some scores based on. Okay, let's take a step back. So, why did you even get into all this? Like, uh, oh, the, oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a funny story. So basically, uh, yeah, my background is a bit funny as well. So I'm from India. So we I went to a college in India called uh, Bits Pilani, mm-hmm. and it's a kind of unique college in the sense that uh, it allows you to do a dual degree program. And I was in the dual degree program where, so you, you can essentially take a, a sciences degree and a bachelor's degree in five years. Mm. And so you have to do, of course, the, like double the course load, but you can do it. If you survive, you get degrees. You get two degrees <laughs> by the end of it. All right. So I, I took, so yeah, I mean, the funny thing is you take a sciences degree first because they want to promote science. Not a lot of people take uh, science as the major usually people go for engineering mm. so that's the motivation behind that so they they want you to enter with a science degree so i took chemistry because i just loved chemistry mm. and uh, back in high school and then i after my first year i was like i i want to take electrical and electronics and then of course it made no sense to link those two uh, yeah, but I, I enjoyed both subjects and then I took an internship because I wanted to get some real world experience, mm. like a approximation of a job, right? Mm. So internship was a good uh, way to do that. So I landed up in uh, Bangalore, which is a city in India, which is like the Silicon Valley of India. So yeah, a lot of tech around and... Uh, so this uh, was related to your triple E degree? Uh, not not exactly. I mean, it was, it was still signal processing, which is a part of a triple E uh, curriculum, but it's nothing that I learned in, the, in mm. the degree per se. Okay. So it's, I mean, audio is very different in the sense that it will combine different elements and you could definitely go into deep into one subject. So if I was... Yeah, I wasn't doing much hardware per se also for audio. But was it like a requirement for the degree to do the internship or you just... No, it's so it's, it's so you can do a degree, uh, internship or a thesis. And mm-hmm. yeah, funny story is like I was like, I'm not doing a thesis. <laughs> sometimes sometimes life uh, has other plans, but yeah. <laughs> so okay. yeah, so yeah, I went for internship because I was really curious to try hands-on something, you know like a real problem setting mm. so that's how i found audio so that project involved audio i see so that's where oh. things started. yeah yeah okay. so before that i had no clue about audio and when i actually told my uh, chemistry teacher like like whom i was doing projects under i did three projects under her i published three papers mm. and she was like see you're going for uh further studies in chemistry right and i was like sorry, <laughs> sorry to disappoint you <laughs> so uh, yeah yeah so yeah That's i mean totally by accident i found this yeah so you already had an exposure to audio and acoustics before you start your phd yes you had some exposure yes yeah one year in bangalore i was doing basically experiments so as to speak and some research work 
Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't research, research. It was more like, you know, company exploration sort of thing, mm-hmm. uh, which happens when you have an intern, right? Like, let's yeah. give in this intern yeah, some po- problem yeah. that nobody knows how to solve. Let's just see how, <laughs> what see he how, does with yeah. it. Interesting. So, okay. it, so, yeah, I was working with a senior member who, who was actually a PhD. Uh, uh, he was a very experienced guy. And we were just two people racking our brains about a problem trying to get maximum output of a small speaker. These are called micro speakers in your phone Mm. or laptops. And uh, we were trying to model their behavior. So, I mean, that got interested me also in audio as well as the research process in audio. Then I also had one year experience here in the same research lab. Uh So when it comes to like, uh, you just mentioned mentioned, uh, augmented reality. So spatial audio, how does it take part or be be part of uh, designing the experience for augmented reality? Yeah, that's a good question, actually. Uh, so, you know, like George Lucas said, sound is half the experience of a motion picture, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess he's sort of the guru on that. So, like, sound is really important and often ignored in augmented reality or in any digital experience, right? The innovations uh, usually follow vision, Right, people are more focused on the visual aspect. But uh, what what people are realizing now, at least, is that sound is a very powerful medium to convey important information to grab attention. Right, for example, uh, warning signals, right, alarms, they grab our attention. Right, sound is three sixty degree, so you can you can hear in any uh, you know area of the room. Direction. Yeah, yeah uh, but you can't see at the back of your head, right? Mm-hmm. But, uh, so so it's a very powerful sense. Uh, now, for augmented reality, it's it's twofold. I see it as twofold, right? One is, of course, immersion. You want to engage as many senses as possible. So mm. you got vision, you got haptics, you got audio. Still don't know how to do smell and taste. Mm. Maybe it's coming <laughs> later. Uh, there's some interesting papers, but nobody has uh, tangible products about it yet. So, so trying to engage as many senses as possible. Sound plays a very important role. Spatial audio is very similar to the natural spatial experience so that's where you you feel that you it can actually be real right mm-hmm. problem with these products is the immersion is still a problem there's a mismatch right mm-hmm. but usually it's approached uh, differently when you are trying to design the sound system for augmented reality and for virtual reality yes. because for virtual you don't have any sense of what's happening around you exactly but you know in the case of augmented reality you have more uh, yeah. yeah, you have a real do. reference. Yeah, right? yeah exactly. So I talked about the perceptual paradigms earlier. So you have a real source to compare. Yeah, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I could have uh, avatars of you guys in an augmented reality setting and you guys would be speaking and I would, if, if there's a mismatch, I, my brain would be like, no, that's that's not real. Right? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. correct. But in virtual, you could render anybody in uh, maybe an approximate way in audio or vision and your brain would just sort of fill it fill the gaps so very good example is like a movie theater or a home theater where uh, you often see the speakers are here right uh, like displaced from the position of the vision yes yeah. but your brain actually de- still yeah yes, your brain yeah. actually does a what's called a ventriculist effect so it places the audio there so you sometimes forget that the speaker is here uh-huh. right mm. So there's all sorts of uh, perceptual effects which are very interesting which happen when we have real sounds. Mm. I'm interested also about this, uh, like the uh, three-dimensional sound experience that's sometimes created in like 
I wonder how, how is it by using a single speaker on your ear, you could create this effect, like the sounds coming from different directions and yeah, that's how is it possible? Yeah, that's again a good question. It's, it's but like the same speaker on the same spot. How does it create this effect? That's a good question uh, to ask. And the answer is, it's because if you go a bit on the physics side, uh, what is sound, right? It's just, just pressure, waves, right? Pressure. It's just pressure waves. Yes. So ideally, in theory, if you can create the same pressure wave that you have in a real surrounding through a speaker, through anything, it's the same experience, right? Mm. If your brain interprets the differences in sound pressure, it doesn't interpret sound seen as, as such, yeah. right? Of course, it's taking a lot of information with the sound waves in addition to it to make sense of the world around you. Mm -hmm. But if just talking from pure sonic perspective, you just need the right sound pressure. That's why you can deliver whatever experience you want just by delivering the right sound pressure through the set of headphones. Right, and that's that's what they're doing with these Apple uh, AirPods and... yes. What's what's the new headphone called? Uh, the Max. Yeah, but yeah. Max, right? Yeah. So it's, it's like it has a sound stage. Uh, yeah, uh, there are different feature. components to it actually. So we, uh, I mean, I could talk a bit if you guys like yeah, of about course. the yeah. uh, so psychoacoustics you mentioned. We know a bit detail, a bit in detail about what cues, uh, what psychoacoustic cues are important mm -hmm. for spatial listening, right? So one is the time delay. Mm -hmm. So how we are able to spot the direction is basically time and level differences. Uh, if it's on the same, how to say, the same plane as my uh, two ears, right? So, uh, but if it's uh, like elevated, then I need uh, all the diffraction patterns basically or all the radiation patterns from my ear. So mm -hmm. my outer ear gen or your outer ear, everybody's outer ear, mine mm -hmm. is not unique, generates a unique radiation pattern sound radiation pattern. So when sound uh, collides with your outer ear, it produces differences in pressure in high frequencies mm -hmm. because that's where the uh, ear shape or, or whatever, the small protrusions or changes in mm. shape, anthropometric features, we call it, are different. Like they are comparable to the wavelength of sound in mm -hmm. high frequencies. So that's when that's when you have all these subtle changes occurring in uh, sources which are basically so these these differences are more pronounced in of course any sound direction, but we use more of it for the elevated sources, which mm -hmm. are basically not in the plane but uh, up and down you know front back mm -hmm. and also we use sometimes head rotation not so much in I mean we we don't realize we are using it but sometimes our brain just makes slight head movements to basically distinguish for example front and back right right yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. We okay. can, you can also notice with some animals like some cats for example yeah, yeah. They, they change the shape of their ear right to distinguish the yeah i mean I, I mostly study humans but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah i'm familiar but, with this like you you need to do some physical adjustment to interpret the sound in a, yeah yeah, mm -hmm. yeah so essentially yeah you what you're changing is actually the time delays what usually happens is you're changing those cues to help your brain to locate okay whether it's front back you, maybe you're having two same cues right. so your brain says okay it's front because when i move it it's here right and the more interesting part is the all these waves i've learned nobody taught these right things. i was yeah, just gonna yeah, say right. this is just you intuitively yeah you intuitively just do these these uh, yeah. adjustments but yeah so you you're also studying those 
yeah uh, so behaviors. so the thing is uh, yeah i talked about basically using psychoacoustics mm-hmm. into programming algorithms so we we have knowledge of these cues and i have studied further through my experiments and then try to derive how i can model these so it's it's sort of like a model of how somebody will hear in certain scenario and then i plug it in and then it generates left and right sound pressures right that's what we talked mm-hmm. about that's how mm-hmm. we get the experience ah so are there any like fundamental differences bet- between how people generally perceive sound or is it homogeneous across like the entire oh I, i think that's a that's a question we don't know the answer to of course uh, oh. because it's a it's a very active area of research there are some differences there are some uh, similarities that we know about for sure uh, that have been well uh, documented in literature mm-hmm. right like the stuff i was talking about before about the time delays about the spectral cues mm-hmm. those are well documented several studies have proven those effects okay. uh, over the years but some things we are still figuring out uh, so when it comes to psychoacoustics are there any applications in sound compression or, or like after you record uh, an audio for example you remove certain features which are inaudible for humans yeah certainly so that's how mp3 was born what happens in mp3 is you remove all the inaudible frequencies and they compute basically a masking curve so yeah we can go into that detail mm-hmm. but if you want but yeah. the basic fundamental is uh, what you just described so we remove all the un- inaudible frequencies that your brain uh, cannot hear or that your like brain cannot process for some reason mm-hmm. you can still hear uh but yeah so so you remove so it's a lossy lossy encoding right mm-hmm. and this this is uh, coding is one very good example it is perhaps the oldest example which uh yeah which has used a lot of psychoacoustic development which has propelled that because yeah it's it's bitrate was uh, as you all know like bandwidth and bitrate is mm-hmm. money it's right? quite yes. important yeah yeah Uh okay so you gave us a good idea now about uh, the general background about your research area so would like to move now to your own research what you are trying to achieve with your research what's the uh challenge or research problem you are trying to address with your work here at NTU so if you could speak sure. about that so yeah as i said my research is actually about the pass through function or we call it acoustic transparency uh mm-hmm. so basically uh, one is the virtual aspect of sound right for ar another is the real aspect right mm-hmm. so when you have real headphones put on your ears it they block sound in certain frequencies and they this varies based on the construction of the headphones the fit of the headphone the ear uh, your ear shape like the multitude of factors right So I'm trying to investigate how basically to reproduce sound as it is in the real environment uh, over a pair of headphones right before you can overlay virtual sound on it. So virtual sound uh, again the investigation at least in research has been going around for quite some time we have good solutions for the particular set of problems and now you are seeing commercial applications of it mm-hmm. but what i'm trying to see is there's still this problem of the real sound being uh, played back as is right with all the spatial properties mm-hmm. so that's that still area of research which is open and that's why i trying to fill some of the gaps that are there 
right mm-hmm. so like yeah something i personally notice is that when you're using these features right it's your sense of space isn't the same like is when you take off the headphone you can easily you know like you can easily uh, identify where's the like let's say a car was coming from or where's the person is speaking from but w- with the headphones on that sense is i don't know i feel like it's a bit attenuated like yeah it becomes more difficult to yeah yeah, yeah exactly so uh, imagine uh, imagine you have like a critical situation right you're crossing the road you want to hear where the traffic's coming from or you're talking to somebody and you want to hear their you know story mm-hmm. and you have these headphones on and you still want to retain the sort of spatial perception right now it becomes critical because you you want the same direction right your brain can do some of the mis um, correct some of the mismatch mm-hmm. right because you, you you i can see your vision exactly yeah so your brain won't be like yeah he's talking from behind right that's not going <laughs> to happen right unless you have some other sort of medical issue which i don't know but uh, generally speaking you'll be able to make that out but what happens when uh, you can't augment other senses with it like you're relying on your audio as the primary sense right mm-hmm. this becomes critical also yeah as you said the sound is attenuated and not just attenuated i have shown in my research papers that even the directions are like all going here and there right right, right? because uh, it's it's a delicate balance how the headphones or whatever earphones you're using are situated on the ear so i talked about the diffraction pattern created by your ear mm-hmm. the delays right they need to be exact for your brain to exactly locate the sound source can correct mm-hmm. some mismatch but it can't correct too much right so that's 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 where the nuances of the research right so it's i i would imagine this, so it's not just about recording the environment it's also the placing of the mics and the quality of the, the mics as well right like definitely. how they pick up the sound yeah definitely so it's imagine it's like a complex system which has number of components you have to capture the outside sound but after that begins the real work right mm-hmm. so you you have to capture the cues that i was talking about you have to capture the information the environment and then you have to sort of model the individual preferences and then you have to generate the signals right so it's sort of mm-hmm. like this whole framework and anything any error in the chain in the processing chain can lead to a, a gap in perception right yeah 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 So yeah so that's why this problem is a bit complex because like funnily enough your brain is very good at detecting certain changes and very and not very good at detecting others mm. so in some areas we have to be really careful okay mm-hmm. so what like what are the what are the sort of tools that you're working with uh, the equipment and the software uh, that is like used in this area So of course I think you probably might have guessed like speakers and microphones are the staples right, right? Yeah. the backbone <laughs> yeah then you have sound cards which are hardware uh, which we use to record and play sounds and then we have uh, of course everybody needs a processing system so either mm-hmm. it's a laptop or a specialized uh, like a signal processing board like DSP chip mm-hmm. or a uh, or even sometimes we have used like uh off the shelf raspberry pi or like arm board i see yeah okay. so some sort of embedded platform so basically a processing platform and of course we either that comes with the processing platform or we 
attached to it is like you have always the analog to digital and digital to analog right mm. to capture and right. playback right so i i think that's that's sort of the basic signal processing chain uh, basic hardware mm. uh, as for the software of course now matlab is quite powerful for doing basic recording playback and uh, algorithms as well trying right. out prototyping uh, we use labview what else of course c and assembly for programming the dsps mm. and yeah do i think those are the ones which get used okay. more and in terms of the data that you collect do you, do you only work with your own generated data or do you also rely on some database so the there's a, a good databases uh, online also uh, of course for my problem it's a bit so we, we have a headphone prototype that i'm working with so that data is specific to that prototype but in general like people's measurements subjective measurements and their other like information about their ear shape and all that mm. has been made online by a lot of good people and uh, yeah we have dense data sets of like every 5 degrees uh, in some cases even 1 degree resolution of hrtf measurements and we call them hrtf so hrtf is basically like the free field measurement of a user's response mm. right so if if you think to simplify if you have a sound source a single sound source and if you have a if you place a microphone at your eardrum uh, exactly at your eardrum and you record the transmission path so the encoding information in in a free field setting we call it it will be what is your head related transfer function okay for a chart right yeah so people have made this database for different people organized by different parameters demographics gender whatever ear shapes ear sizes whatever also online so so i've i've uh, i've seen this interesting uh, company i unfortunately don't remember the name but they uh, released this uh, this headphone maybe you maybe you recognize them it's the headphone with the that's playing it's playing the uh, so it's a headphone and an earphone at the same time so new hera new hera yeah so okay. so sorry what what what's the name new hera new n u h e r a you have okay so they have an interesting feature in their app where the app uh, where you put on the headphone and the it will start analyzing your your uh, ear somehow it will analyze your your uh, response your ear your yeah, response yeah so is that also something that uh, you're looking into or yeah i mean different? so there's there's different ways of characterizing your ear response right so i'm guessing i'm not sure what their pattern mm. is no idea but i'm guessing what, how somebody might go about doing that is basically so your ear canal length also makes a difference mm. although it's a standard like it can be a standard function like we just need to know the length and we can tweak the response the hrtf i talked about so what's a more interesting problem in the sense a more difficult problem to solve is to model the as i talked about the sound path from the sound source, from the source right to, to the, the to the ear canal oh. so it's like the eardrum is the end point right where oh, yeah, where yeah, the right. sensor is where your brain sensor is so as to speak and then uh, uh, before that is the ear canal entrance mm-hmm. so the function is like sound source to ear canal plus ear canal to eardrum is equal to sound source to your drum right right so it can mm-hmm. be broken down like that so what they are doing is they are modeling the second part 
so they're modeling the ear canal to ear mm. ear uh, yeah ear canal to ear drum so as to speak they are estimating it okay it can be useful because if you somehow model the other features like you have some sort of database whatever i don't know what they have they never revealed <laughs> so but they they are, i think they play a tune to estimate your ear canal length and your hearing profile so mm. as mohammed pointed out that you may not be able to hear certain frequencies yeah. yes so so uh, yeah we all lose it right as, as we, we go as we go yeah yeah so they might be detecting that and saying okay you can't hear 12 kilohertz above anyway so let me not play that and mm. save some battery life right yeah. Mm-hmm. so yeah so are there any differences between the left and right ears in the perception because i noticed most of the earphones are labeled left and right yeah. and if you try to switch them around you Yeah, like it sounds different yeah 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 absolutely so uh going this is going back but let me let me rewind a bit right so you used two ears to listen yeah. right now a question is what happens if you use one ear right mm. can you still hear spatially right mm. Mm. not sure <laughs> exactly yeah so no no it's 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 an open question it's it's still an open question so we know what we lose when we lose one ear but ah. we still don't know like what is the extent of that loss okay so we like we have monaural studies which basically dig in one thing into account like people just doing one year and doing the test and hmm. another year and doing the test but it's it's like what what's the actual perception right what's it's what's the because yeah you can have then two people do like people do it binaurally but then what's the actual difference because there's so many soundtracks so many conditions like you you can't test everything mm. but we do know in terms of cues that yeah you you do lose certain cues so uh, like the time delay the level difference which is basically used to localize in the horizontal plane mm. right that uses two ears right if you just have one you don't have any reference to compare to so that's left and right right mm. so your brain will be like oh like where's where's where is it Right. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. So if you switch, so what's happening in your usual headphone is it's a stereo configuration, right? Yeah. So stereo means two two speakers at thirty degrees plus minus thirty, right? Mm-hmm. If your head is at zero, it's plus minus thirty. So thirty clockwise, thirty anticlockwise, two speakers, mm-hmm. right? And you are in the center, so we call it the sweet spot. The sweet spot. Oh. Yeah. So if you flip left and right, easy answer. I TLDR version is. Uh, you basically change the information and sometimes what may lead is like this we call it the sound image will be distorted and why that happens is a bit more technical mm. oh. because i mean a hint is in the cues right again so so it has nothing to do with the sensitivity of the ears like it's primarily a directional yeah but you i mean it could be So, for example, most people lose hearing in one ear, one or the other ear. Mm. If you have that condition, it can aggravate that loss of uh, sound image. Right? Oh, okay. Mm. So it can lead to further imbalances. Mm. I was telling from uh, assuming two identical ears. Mm. Mm-hmm. All right. So, you you work here in NTU, I assume. Yeah. Uh, which which lab is that? So it's Digital Signal Processing Lab. Oh, it's just called digital signal processing. Yeah. Okay, yeah. interesting. And uh, so, what what is like? What does your daily activity look like? So okay, go, go so now it's 
you know after covid is a bit different than before covid uh, so now it's mostly simulations mm. so i'm trying to uh, basically simulate a lot of uh, acoustic scenarios mm. and see what algorithms work best and uh, before covid i was doing a lot more experimentation and you know all that uh, that i described like the psychoacoustics part right. now it's more the modeling and simulation so whatever data i have i'm trying to fit it into models and see how i can extract useful information okay so yeah my day to day looks like not different from any other psc student i guess i go to the lab uh, if yeah. if uh, i'm doing some simulations i do that if i'm whatever experiment or measurement or whatever i'm doing that mm. then i do that and yeah that's it like that's that's the work day i mean okay 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 so uh, so you gave us a good idea i think by by now about uh, your own research and what you are trying to address with your research So would like would like you to give us uh, some general idea about the outlook of this uh, research area acoustics in general um what what are maybe perhaps the open questions or the main goals that uh, people are trying to uh, figure out in this area like in the long term yeah. Mm. yeah the funny thing is uh, the long term in consumer industry is is shorter than most industries right mm. like if you ask like a biomedical company they plan for 30 years mm. but consumer industry is like okay what's coming in the next 5 years right mm, okay. so let me give you that idea right so i think there's few unsolved problems still like uh, of course in terms of perception i feel like we might I don't know if we'll ever be able to map out how actually uh, the brain perceives the multitude of uh, like the soundscapes that we have right the sound around us right and uh, that's one area definitely right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so some people in our lab are also working towards why certain sounds make you feel pleasant unpleasant other emotions right that's one thing uh, that's quite interesting another thing is uh augmented reality uh audio how like as i said the perception is an ongoing field i think the research will keep on going but how much can we solve mm. so what's a good enough uh, ar audio experience right mm-hmm. like the your phone is not perfect but it does the job what's what's that for ar audio something in that vein maybe might come out in the next 5 to 10 years Mm-hmm. maybe some commercial interest or something or even a research which proves fundamentally that it will work in different surroundings another thing is uh, related to spatial sound although there has been numerous research for hrtfs also i think this is also an unanswered problem like what's a good hrtf right yeah, yeah. so that is something very interesting and not very easy to calculate i mean we know accurate 100% accurate works we know like bad what's bad right actually mm. the stereo is bad let's say <laughs> right i mean in terms of spatial perception that's the very basic right stereo is very basic be accurate your own natural listening is the gold standard ground truth mm-hmm. so where where is the there's a value of uncertainty right so what will make it believable but still doable okay so that's an interesting question and you can extrapolate that to everything you can extrapolate that to acoustic transparency to all the audio experiences right mm. 
So what the problem becomes then is basically at what point can your brain detect that the experience is broken, right? Mm. Uh-huh. And how do you calculate that? Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, correct. Okay, so these are all open questions. Open questions. Yeah. Okay. yeah, these are some of the open questions. Yeah. There is a lot more nuance in there, but on a high level. And then there's one other interesting problem that I can talk about if you want me to. It's uh, related to... Yeah, please. Yeah, related to the auditory processing of the brain. So till now, it's like a more a more a top-down approach, mm. right? Where you have the audio signal, uh, then you focus more on, as I said, delivering the right audio signal to the eardrum. And then you sort of assume that, fine, your brain take, will take care of it, rest. Mm-hmm. But what happens when the interplay is there? As I said, there's ventriculist effect when your visual is there. Or uh, something else might occur where your sound sense is not so heightened, right? Some physiological response. So I'm very interested towards that also. It's like, so there, there has been some research, of course, studying the EEG-based attention patterns and mapping that to mm. the sound, uh, basically, which direction the sound is from and all that. So, yeah, some of the areas that I'm interested in, because that's a more nascent area, that's that's more, like, we still don't know much about the the auditory processing aspect of the brain. Now, I, I wanted to get to noise cancelling, but before we, we go into that, uh, I wanted to ask you, do, do you think we're going to have a future where people buy headphones and earphones and, and sound systems based on their, like, psycho, like their own biology like for example right now we buy prescription specs right so you go and you do the test uh, and then you are prescribed uh, a pair of glasses based on your own uh, vision so is that the future also of audio consumer audio certainly so a a word i i forgot to mention Mm. is personalization right Mm. so all of which i'm talking about has to be personalized right because we know that non-personalized that is the current headphone in the market uh, is broken for certain experiences. So certainly what you described is possible and actually the future is now. So we have Sony uh, bringing up out the Sony 360 degree reality, I think it's called. Uh-huh. So it takes a foot off your ear and it's calculating all those functions that I talk about. So you can actually play some songs that are specialized in certain sense and feel, as you said, talked about the lack of sense of space. It will give you that. So that, that is actually a direct, uh, uh, how to say, consequence of not having the individualized functions uh, measured so or estimated. Yes. So if you, ha- if you try that experience out, you'll feel some degree, not a lot, not still there, but some degree of externalization where you feel, okay, it's out there, it's not here. Mm. So the hardware is still the same. It's just now a ma- matter of personalizing yeah. from the so- software... Uh, from the software side, basically. Yeah, as I said, you yeah. all, all you need is two pair of signals, uh, left and right, and it can be delivered through a speaker. All you need yeah. to get is the sound pressure right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So Just manipulating that air pressure yeah. around your ear. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, now, like, uh, recently there was a news article, I think, uh, about your research group uh, and the work that your group does on noise cancelling. Uh, can you tell us about that a little bit? Sure. So I'm I'm not the maybe the qualified person to speak on that because I'm not from that group. Mm. But let me just give you a brief idea of the problem statement. So the problem statement is what that group, the active noise cancellation group, is working at, 
is uh, basically how to block sounds through open windows so mm-hmm. like for example and this was part of a i think a challenge by the ministry uh, some yeah okay. ministry so, okay this, yeah. so there was like a, an interest it, it was interest into this problem yeah yeah and then we had a project so this was a part of the project that you ultimately led to a solution and then mm-hmm. the publicity later so basically yeah the problem is you want to cancel sound through open windows and uh, like the use case is of course for singapore because in singapore we have a dense uh, you know housing units are situated really close mm-hmm. and they are also close to the roads so what usually works is like you close the windows and then it blocks off some part of the sound oh, so yeah. that attenuation is like certain dbs but uh, that leads to rise in air uh, air conditioning costs or electricity consumption mm-hmm. right so the challenge was could you figure out a more energy efficient way of cancelling noise but still saving some energy so that was that was why we have like basically speakers mounted on the window grill that uh, act as act, i mean speakers are actuators so they they basically send out anti noise to the noise coming in to so as to cancel like let's say the traffic noise and stuff so they're just blocking the noise signals or are they also recording the outside the sound coming from outside and then again recreating it it's like, ca- it's kind like of like uh, active noise cancelling yeah yeah so it's just cancelling the so noise. so basically they do have microphones so these units if you look at it uh, it was shown in some videos was like it has a microphone to detect the sound pressure coming in mm-hmm. and then basically it has to calculate in real time which is actually a very small latency right uh, to send the opposite signal of what is coming in so it's if you remember physics uh, the basic physical concept of superposition yeah. mm-hmm. right it's like it's sending a wave the same amplitude but opposite phase right phase, so it yeah. cancels out so you're saying like it, this uh, process the latency yeah. it's very low and therefore it's it's a very difficult task but do, do you see like in the future uh, us getting better processors better technology that this is now this becomes irrelevant for Yeah totally i mean now the same technology is in your headphones right mm. so we have ANC headphones which do it very well it's just that you have to in a window you have to cover a lot of area mm. and all the so basically you can think about like different speakers must produce the anti noise at the same time mm. otherwise you, you'll you'll have some like some noise not being cancelled properly right mm-hmm. so it's it's a much bigger system Of course, as we progress in terms of technology, we may have faster processors. Uh, so we, we of course, that's one way to resolve the problem. But other ways also to make better algorithms. Right, right. right. Of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you see like uh, new networks getting involved in such problems, or are they already involved? Yeah, I mean, our group also uh, uh, does research on using neural networks to solve such issues, including spatial audio. So I've mm. also used that in the past, and some of our ANC group has also used uh, neural networks, deep neural networks, to uh, basically solve some part of the problem. Mm. And but of course, uh, when uh, we talk about audio, we have to do everything in real time. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. an important consideration is. yeah whether these networks can uh, produce output maybe they are pre-trained or something which can produce output right. in real time okay okay mm-hmm. interesting uh, but i w- i would imagine that this uh, the sound cancellation window system 
I think it, it would be challenging to cancel some of the low frequency noises because usually they travel through like solids, like through the wall and... Correct, correct, yeah. Yeah, that's why you need active noise cancellation because you can only cancel like the... Again, the wavelength uh, makes a difference. So like in order to cancel a high frequency, you could build a, like a... Like we have noise sound barriers like also. drilling or something yeah, like yeah. that, yeah. But uh, in order to cancel low frequency, you need something like active noise cancellation because you are producing an anti-wave... Uh, which is cancelling because passive is like you need a very thick passive yeah, yeah right, that's the to, idea. to block something so yeah it's a challenge uh, but of course that's where the value of ANC is so usually okay. we have some sort of like usually like even in uh, ANC headphones we have active and passive uh, going together mm. so you do what we call is like a broadband cancellation mm. till 8 kilohertz or something and then after 8 kilohertz, to, we have like passive blocking to stop the noise from coming in. So, yeah. so sound uh, frequency in, of interest also makes a difference. So, yeah, I mean, for ANC windows, then I, I think it's mostly like low frequency. And that's another value. So, yeah, mm. where you can't build barriers of like 3 meter thick, yeah. right? Or you can build a system like this, which can, mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, and then, uh, of course, you're working on a very specific problem, which is like the human, you, you said human perception, but uh, can this then be extended to general audio products, like, uh, you know, st stage uh, speakers or car speakers or stuff like that? Yeah, totally. I, I mean, as I said, anything which can produce a sound pressure level at the two years <laughs> is a, uh, like a game on, mm. like, it's a fair play, like... Yeah, so be it your car home entertainment, be it uh, state speakers, whatever. It's mm. just a medium, right? Right. Uh, of course, the problem slightly changes because, for example, just to give you an example of an external, multiple external speakers, right? So in that case, the headphone, uh, it's a slightly different problem than headphone because now you have crosstalk coming in. Yes. So crosstalk is basically the same signal is reaching both ears at different times now. Yes. So you have to correct for that in order to deliver like a binaural experience, what we call it. So it's a two-year experience over headphones is slightly easier because like one headphone does not have much leakage in the other ear and vice versa. But so, in speakers, it might happen. So I imagine this, this will also affect the gaming industry uh, enormously, right? Like, yeah, totally. So uh, augmented reality, I think, will uh, change a lot of things. Uh, I guess... Uh, social connection would be one gaming mm -hmm. is definitely one and uh, navigation I mean all the I mean it's the vision is that whatever you do on your phone you would be doing on this device so it's the next computing platform mm -hmm. right? yeah. and then yeah you give your hands free you basically have like a sort of a device on your head which is having these audio cues and visual cues to help you navigate and whatever, right. yeah, play a game while you are maybe, you know, Driving. walking or something. <laughs> Unless, uh, don't bump into things, like safety right. first, safety first, not recommending that. But, uh, yeah, but I mean, that's, that's the power of these devices, mm. right? So you, like, we hope that it, they can become ubiquitous. Okay, so, so let me explore something with you. So, because we were discussing this uh, topic before and we were um, trying to you know, uh, count the, like, the benefits of having an augmented reality on your, on your real uh, environment, right? So, 
for example, the, uh, there's a lot of costs that can be saved in, in the environment, like painting and signs and ads and all that, that all can be, can all go into the, the, the virtual uh, yeah. side of yeah. it. So what about the sound? So how can, how can the sound play a role that is as much as a virtual, you know, virtual, uh, virtual visual aspect, let's say, like, uh, mm-hmm. because you, you, you talked about this a little bit earlier. But yeah. I like to explore it more. No. Sure, I mean absolutely. So, see again, the the fundamental concept is you need five senses, right? The you maybe are not using all five at the same time, but the more the better. Mm-hmm. So, a great experience, if you recall any of your great experiences that you have had, is where at least two or three of your senses are completely engaged, right? You're immersed, like you're. You're involved in so much uh, in the content that you can't think of anything else, right? Mm-hmm. So what happens in that scenario if you look at your brain, right? It's it's what it's doing is it's capturing the information from all these senses and then uh, basically constructing a reality, right? That's right. why we call it a different reality, mm-hmm. like augmented mm-hmm. reality, right? If you just talk about vision, you can do that. Some certainly we do that now with the mobile phone or something, mm-hmm. right? Take it a step further, you build a build a, a headset where you have it on, you don't have to hold it on a 2D screen, now you have 3D, right? So mm-hmm. that's a game up already. Yeah. So you feel immersed. But uh, what you're lacking is, again, this sense of, like, awareness. Mm-hmm. So sound also gives you that. So one aspect is, for example, yeah, you're always listening. Like, even in this silent room, you can still hear the slight turning on of the ac you know the breathing sound mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. yeah. right and so y- your sound sense is always on it's very like your awareness is on a more uh, primal level like your mm-hmm. brain it's like all- breathing yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. your brain is always doing it yeah your brain is always doing it and making sense of it it's just like the vision is sometimes more or how to say overwhelming yeah. 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 yeah so in certain cases you could use that to your advantage so for example how many things can you look in your visual field at a time mm-hmm. but how many can you look can, how many can you hear at a at time, a time yeah. right mm-hmm. if they're spatially separated now you could have five talkers and you could in theory i mean this again this is again a problem where you have the cocktail body effect right yeah. so your brain automatically concentrates on one conversation yes. that you want yeah correct right so, but you could use that to your advantage. You could say, okay, I want to listen to only this and not the other background mm-hmm. sound. So you selectively tune into... Exactly. Uh, that would be very yeah. interesting. Exactly. Actually, right? Yeah. So you can actually, if you're having a conversation in public, you can, you can tune your uh, perception into just that conversation and block everything. Exactly. Else. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, so the, the applications are endless. It's, uh, so my, that's why my uh, primary, primary focus is to build the tools that people can use later in products or in their daily life, right? Where mm. now you have such powerful experiences and people use them in any way they want. Okay. So it's, it's adding this extra layer of immersion. Also, if I can just touch upon one thing, uh, I think this also has the potential for rehabilitation. So rehabilitation mm. in two, two senses, rehabilitation for visually impaired, of course, once you have spatial sound, you could actually use uh, that to direct people direct to people. navigate, mm. yes. right? And another is for hearing impaired, right? So hearing impaired, there's actually a device which was on by Bose today, 
which is an FDA approved uh, hearing aid which does not need an audiologist right mm-hmm. and it's it looks like it's not exactly like a ear headphone but it's it's similar design and similar battery and whatever mm-hmm. right so both designing an FDA approved hearing de- devices it's not a hearing aid it's a assistive listening device I but see. still FDA cleared so it's it's incredible because now you don't need to typically the cost is very high you need to go to specialized vendors to buy these devices not very friendly mm-hmm. and the battery life is not that great yeah. a lot of problems so hopefully these devices can also fill that gap right mm-hmm. is is my hope mm-hmm. interesting all right uh, so the last part here we'd like to uh talk a little bit about your your life as a phd student your your personal interests your hobbies and stuff like that so uh you you just you mentioned to us before coming that you were uh, you're you're in a swimming session right yeah so it's not a session is this yeah i go swimming <laughs> just like okay yeah. so just like an exercise yeah uh, yeah okay yeah, yeah uh, so, so what else are you into uh, other than swimming so i have a cycle so i cycle around the kranji uh, how to say the kranji farms mm-hmm. towards towards that area uh, sometimes when i get the time i do running so you'll see a lot of physical outdoor activity happening yeah that yeah. like that <laughs> so swimming uh, cycling running uh, sometimes there's uh, yeah there's hiid stuff i also do so that's exercise mm. certainly i feel like yeah that's a big component of my day or week interesting uh, yeah. and, and what do you think of the student life on on mtu campus because i know you you live here yeah. on campus yeah, yeah. It, i mean so now i'm also part of the graduate student association mm-hmm. i'm the recreation director mm-hmm. so yeah i guess uh, i i think it's pretty good uh, i have lived in, in india in the past in a hostel so more vibrant certainly mm. uh, more multicultural you have a lot of different interactions from people of different backgrounds and that's uh, i i think amazing right right as somebody who is always interested in uh, human perception <laughs> that's, that's yeah. it, it provides a good uh, i mean even off the lab right mm-hmm, it, pro- yeah. it provides a good experience to know different kinds of people learn about their culture and stuff So that's certainly a plus point different foods uh, mm, yeah, yeah definitely uh, <laughs> right yeah and has given me the opportunity to try different cuisines and uh, certainly like a lot of uh, different cuisines now and uh, i guess yeah i mean that relates to the uh, aspect is like i formed a lot of good friendships mm. uh, with different uh, people from different backgrounds different communities and uh, yeah i mean very thankful to this opportunity great yeah, yeah. and uh, we are thankful for you being here with us <laughs> yeah, thank you very much for your time yeah thank you very much yourself thank you amit for having me thank you mohammed thank you christopher all right, all right. bye everyone <laughs>